All right, why don't we... Uh... Oh, you're all sitting. All right, good deal. Right, let's get started. Just in case I used to say anything over and over again. Um, We're on good behavior. Yeah, so this is a uh, good friend and mentor, uh, Pastor Aaron Gavin, who's going to be sharing with us this morning, has an amazing Grace Church in Plymouth, Minnesota, and uh, yeah, dude, it is such a big deal to me to have you here uh, with us, sharing, being a part of this. Um, it's, it's exciting. Um, yeah, and there's a couple, there's a new face, but yeah. Um, so the thing I didn't talk to you about, I'm sorry, that was really awkward. <laughs> well, it, we do discussion based, and so uh, yeah, whenever you're done, we're just going to open it up for discussion oh, cool. from there. And so uh, yeah, we'll just see what people have and what they want, and um, let's open with a prayer, and then we'll pass it to Aaron and going here. Well, Jesus, we just thank you for this amazing opportunity we have to gather together this morning to be inspired through your story, uh, through each of our lives, and through um, Pastor Aaron. We just ask that through today's teaching, through our discussion, through our time together, that each of us just feel closer to you, closer to one another, that uh, we leave just uh, feeling embraced by your love and your grace this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, yeah, you can. How much time do you want? Sit, stand, dude. Somewhere between 20 minutes to probably 40. Okay. Is, yeah. And don't worry about it. Just roll. Yeah. We're not doing music today to give you some yeah, fun time. And yeah. No, we, um, well, well, good morning, everyone. Glad to see you all here. And I don't know. I like to, I kind of preach. So I get kind of preachy. And I get kind of loud. And I, because I get excited. <laughs> I get excited about Jesus. Because um, he's changed my life. And I think that the only thing that matters to me now is Jesus. It's like, you know, I've always heard that for years. And um, I think really what changed my life, I know changed Luke's life, when we got the Grace Book by Joseph Prince. And I read, if you've never read Destined to Reign, I'm, you know, it's a good book. <laughs> and it just freed me from a lot of religion. It's funny, you don't know how much religion you have in your life. Or you don't know how much. Uh, I've been studying the um, subconscious mind. And I love studying quantum physics. Anybody in quantum physics? You know? It's, 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 it's cool because that begins to show the relationship between God and science. It shows the connection. You know, I, um, for so many years, the church world has been one of those agencies that Instead of loving people, it's been trying to control people. And what happened back in, I don't know, the 1600s, whatever, science started to understand these things about the nature and the environment and things like that. And they came to the church and said, hey, let's partner together. Let's do this. Let's connect. And the church went, no, no, we have the only way you guys get out. And then it, so then it sent science in this huge run for many years to prove that God doesn't exist. But now with quantum physics and that being discovered in the 50s, <coughs> they're seeing this connection with God. Now it's crazy. If you ever go to Princeton's website, Princeton University, they did this in 1998. Coolest, coolest experiment. Back in the early 1900s, um, these scientists believed that there was this soup that ran through everything on the planet. And it was alive and it did all this stuff, but they 
they did an experiment on it, and they got the right data, but they didn't know how to interpret it. And so they said, no, there's, this is not there. It's just, we thought it was, but it's not really there. Well, then in 1984, they did the same experiment again. And if you ever go back and look online up on the, the uh, magazine Nature, it'll explain this experiment. I can't remember the two guys that did it. But what they did, they began to realize that when they looked at the data again and did the same assignment, same study, they said, we can measure this. In science, they don't call him God or Jesus, they call him consciousness. They call him uh, source, because they don't, you know, they don't get the spiritual you know, terms. But they said they can measure it. Well, Princeton did this in 1988, went around the world and put these devices, because they said, we can measure consciousness. Basically what they're saying is, we can measure the realm of the spirit. We can measure God. And so their first experiments, they would take someone out in nature, and they put this device, this measuring device, and they'd say, okay, I want you to get angry. And the person would get angry. And all of a sudden, the rocks, the water, within like a 50 feet radius, changed. And I went, this is weird that the earth is responding to this. So that's what started to put these devices all around the world. And if you go there to their website and you check it out, you can still see the devices are still recording today. But I said the thing that freaked them out was in... In 1998, they put the devices in place. In 2000, 9-11, before 9-11 happened, the day before, something happened around the world. They said consciousness changed. Something just dropped. And they, they didn't know what it was. They didn't know what was going on. And then the towers were hit. Boom. And then, that, then it freaked them out. Because then they began to go, huh, God is real. There's something that's, and then as you study quantum physics, it talks about how the relationship between God and all these things and quantum strings and all this stuff, and it begins to point a picture of who is God. Now they're not, they know that something's running, there's a, what they call a higher intelligence running everything. And so it's so cool to think about that, how science networks together. What has happened, it's kind of my story today, is as a Christian, living from a place of move from understanding to realization. Because science went from understanding a lot until they moved into realization when they began to measure this and knew what the data was and knew how to interpret the right way. And they began to go, okay, quantum physics says, okay, we're starting to see God. Whatever it is, whatever it is we're seeing the source. And so it changes everything. Well, the same thing happens to us as believers, as Christians. You know, um, one thing for years in my journey with the Lord You know, Luke and I would testify to this. We were, grew up in a church. We got a lot of word. It taught us a lot of, you know, at that point in my life, a lot of good things. But it was all, I had a lot of understanding. But really no realization in my life. And it always bugged me. If you would talk to me back then, I would could tell you any, lots of things about the Bible. I could tell you history. I had scriptures memorized. I knew all this stuff. And people would go, Bo, I love talking to you. You're so knowledgeable. But inside, I knew that it wasn't real. I mean, Jesus was my Lord and Savior. I knew that. I knew that he loved me as long as, back then as long as I did the right things. <laughs> you know? As long as I, you know, checked my list. I read, I prayed, I went to prayer group. I paid my tithes. I was involved in church. You know, I was in good with him. And so, but never really felt that. Um, 
And sometimes when you, when you live in that place, you feel like a hypocrite. You feel like, oh, if people, if people ever find me wrong, I'm going to be in trouble. If people ever really see the real me, they're going to freak out because he's not as, you know, smart and intelligent as they think, you know, as they say you are. And there's always this weird feeling, but going back to the grace book, when I read about grace and understood that God loved me just the way I was, oh my gosh, change my life. I remember I, you know, um, I gave a book to one friend, and he got so excited about it that he danced on his coffee table at home. And, you know, and I was looking at this, when Luke asked me to come and teach, I was thinking of all of our friends, people that we knew, that were touched by grace, but really didn't go into the realization of it. And now they're back to what I would call the mixture, where it's all performance-based. And that's a hard place, you know? Um, it's a hard place to live, you know, uh, performance-based Christianity, where you have to do things to measure up. And, and, and that bugged me for such a long period of time. I'm going, what? Lord, why is that? Why? You know, when I talk to them about the truth, about grace, they're right, they're right in agreement with me. Oh, yeah, I believe God loves me. I believe that he's forgiven me. I believe that he lives in me and he wants to help me. I believe that. But then why are you still under the old? And why are you still bogged down by these things? What's going on? And it bugged me. And that's when the Lord started talking to me about understanding and realization. Because he said that um, with all of us, you know, I've heard for years that Christianity is about a relationship, right? We're not a religion. We've heard that term many years. We did it backwards here. <laughs> what do we say? What do you guys say? We're, we're about religion, not relationships. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, but, no, what happens is that we have to understand what that term means, right? Oh, no, I'm not a religious person. I am, or people say now, I am not religious, I'm spiritual, right? And so we have those terms that we say that sound really good, good sound bites. But is it really how we're living every day? Because, see, with my Christianity and my walk with Christ, walk with Jesus, for me, it has to be every day. I can't just do it on Sunday. For so many years, I did it on Sunday or Wednesday when I'm in the service or when we were in a group. It's like, oh, yeah, pumped up, really. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then Monday comes and, ooh, psh, depressed, you know, fearful, doubt, worry. And I'm going, why am I not making that connection? Well, the reason I wasn't was because I wasn't connecting with Jesus. See, one thing that religion does to us, it gives us a lot of knowledge. A lot of us have a lot of knowledge about a lot of things in here. Eating, exercise, you know, design, um, whatever. It's, you know, big school teacher, he has a lot of information about teaching, you know, school. A lot of stuff. You know, but what makes Dave, it works in Dave's life because he does it every day and he's, you know, he's working through different issues. I can know a lot about English. He teaches English. I can learn a lot about that. But I'm still not, it's not a realization for me. I know a lot about it. I maybe can discuss some terms with him, but I'm not living it every day like he is. Totally different. And so I want my life to be everyday living with Jesus. And so when I approach people, when I see people, because it, it, it just helps me to feel real that way. I feel like I'm alive that way. You know, I've been asking myself this question. You can answer yourself this question. Do you get up every day living a life with meaning? And to me, that's why 
I was depressed. That's why I was just got cynical, <laughs> get cynical about life and everything. It's because your life doesn't have meaning. See, God wants you to have meaning every day. Every day you wake up, there's a meaning for you. There's something for you. You know, he, he, um, he's created you with a purpose and a plan. Uh, I'm going to get preaching now. Because it's so true. Because like it's so, you know, we wear so many. The world has put so many labels on us. You know, I drive school bus. Um, drive school bus and then I have to church. And so I've been driving school bus for five years now. Um, really love the kids. I mean, I always figure that when you don't like kids, you become really old. That's my personal opinion. <laughs> I love their energy. I know there's... Yeah, sorry. sorry. <laughs> I just love them because they're just... Because they're, you know, I, um, I tell Dave, I, um, I drive all high school, junior high. But in the midday, for bus drivers, I pick up, I bring the pre-K home, and I bring pre-K to school. And so um, one, one group is like five, you know, because I, I drive special needs bus, so I pick up kids with special needs. And so then in the afternoon, I pick up the um, preschoolers. And they're just full of life. They're just full of energy. And they're just so, they're so pure. Like Caleb was your son, Dave, right? Caleb is so pure because he has no labels. I mean, you watch these kids. There's no labels. They're holding hands, boys and girls, girls and boys. They're, they're loving each other. There's no skin. They don't see, oh, you're, you're black. You're, you know, you're white. You're, they don't have any of that. They have no labels. And they just love, they're all friends. Oh, so-and-so. And, and I just went, they are just like, that is what God, how God wants us to be. But what happened is that we've been labelized. We've been labelized by this world and by this system. And we sit there and we, and we let that dictate who we are and what we have. And, and, and the, the great thing about Jesus is that he's delivered us from those labels. And so what happens with labels, you begin to just take what people have assigned to you. Maybe your family. Maybe the area of town you grew up. Maybe mom and dad. Maybe an uncle. Maybe a teacher. Maybe an ex-spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend. I don't know. We get these labels that we pull. We tattoo ourselves with. That's who we are. And it's like, and then when we do that, that begins to limit us. And so I get I get excited about talking about Jesus because Jesus takes all those limits off. And I talked to my church about this a lot, going, you know, you are valuable. You are amazing. You. You're, you're, you're God's children. You know how awesome that is? You know, Paul says something over in Galatians real quick. Um, Galatians 1. Uh, Galatians 1 through 5. And I love this. Because when I read about Paul, this is just not Paul's story. Sometimes we read the Bible and go, that's just Paul. Or that's just Jesus. That's not me. I No, 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 no. You became, when you got saved, you became the body of Christ. Amen. <laughs> amen. 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 I say amen. Sorry. You know, just, you keep it up. Yeah, I just said that. I know. I just said that. I just said that. Amen, brother. I just said that. I'm just like, you are. Yeah, sorry. That's who I am. But here's the deal you're part of the body of Christ. That's who you are. That's who you are. You're a part of God's family, right? Amen. Did you earn it? By doing good things. No, you were born into it. So if you're like, if you're born into the family, you're like your you're like your heavenly father, right? You're like God, right? Come on, come on! Come on! 
See, this is here's, here's, here's what the labeling's done to us. You know, I don't know, football fans, Vikings, anything else? Not seen, okay. Minnesota, I see that. Go for me. You know, I'm a Packer fan. And so, you know, woo. But what happens is that we will do, here's what we'll do. Here's what we'll do. And we will wear, not, not against anything, we'll wear jerseys, we'll wear things, and we'll go, yes, I'm a fanatic for the Minnesota Gophers. Yes, this is who I am. Okay, that's cool. Be that way. But then when I say, you're children of God, you're like, yeah, that's who I am. That's my dad. That's my heavenly father. He loves me. Why can't we be excited about Jesus that way? This is, who you, this is, this is what he lasts for eternity. You're connected to God. He has loved you so much that he sent Jesus to die for you. You know what your value is? Your value is Jesus. You know, you, you go to financial planning, what do they tell you? What's your net worth? Do you know what your net worth is? God. That's your net worth. See, that's, that's how the preschoolers think. They know they're special. They know they're unique. They know when they run out of the bus, oh, it's the greatest scene. They love their mom. Oh, my gosh. Mom, mom's at the bus stop or dad or grandma's ever picking them up. They run out, ah, and they hug them. Why? Because they just, oh, that's a person who loves me. That's a person who takes care of me. That person's so special in my life. See, that's how we are with God. God's the one who takes care of us, and he loves us. And we should be like, yes, he's my dad. He's my whatever, parent. He's awesome. And so that's what, you know, as a Christian, that's when you start to embrace that, at least in my opinion, that's when you start having life, a life full of meaning. Because you get so full of God, you're already full of God. God's already living in you. You know that? The Bible says that in 1 Corinthians, one of my first favorite verses, 1 Corinthians 6, 17, says that you're now one spirit with the Lord. And then also in 19, it says that, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. Most amazing scripture. Know why? Ask the Holy Ghost why. Because you're real to you. Just think about it. You carry all the answers to life for your life and to help other people. You carry the answers. Think about that. If God, if you're the temple of God, this building right here is a temple, it's a school. And it contains us, right? It contains us. And so we can do anything in this building, supposedly, we want, right? <laughs> or let's say it this way. This school is a place of learning, right? So all the kids who come here get taught reading, writing, arithmetic, gym, whatever it is. And their school, and that schooling will help them later in life, right? It's a place they come to receive that attention. Well, you are the temple of God. And if God lives in you, what are the possibilities that you can do in your life? See, we don't believe it because we've been labeled. We've been labeled. And it's interesting about labeling. It goes back to your subconscious mind. Talk about how the subconscious mind works. Subconscious mind is really interesting because it's neutral and it listens to the, the subconscious mind at any point in time right now is taking in 3 million pieces of information right now. Everyone's subconscious mind. 3 million pieces of information. Okay. So your conscious mind, if it tried to make sense of all that, it would blow up. You would blow up. You would go crazy. You couldn't handle that kind of information. 
So what, here's what the subconscious mind, the, the, your minds do. They begin to filter out certain things based on what, how you view yourself in life. It's all of a sudden, you know, um, I'm a big Kindle guy. There's a lot of books on the subconscious mind. Go read them. They're really fascinating because once you know how you think, you can start letting the Lord dissolve your labels because we all have labels, things that we believe, things, horrible things we believe about ourselves. You know, um, I did this at our church two years ago, and finally at this point, we're getting some people that can actually do this. You know, so what we did is I had a mirror, and I brought this to church, and I said, okay, I want anybody to come up. And I practiced. I looked at the mirror, and I said, you know, I am loved by God, and I have an amazing life because of Jesus. And I said, who else can say that? Who else can say that? You know, I'm thinking everyone can say that, right? Because we, you know, <laughs> no one else can say it. I had a couple ladies come, they told me the next day, they said, they called me and said, you know something? I didn't really know how much I hated myself. Because I tried to say to my own mirror, because you know what happens in our mirrors? When we got up in the morning, people looked in the mirror and did whatever they needed to do. Most of the time, we go to the mirror and we complain. We put ourselves down. We talk about our body, talk about hair. You know, I always hear ladies have, you know, is, is it a good hair day or a bad hair day? You know, I've heard those things like that. I always have a good hair day. <laughs> um, but we, we judge ourselves. We've been so programmed to hate ourselves. And that's a label that we've gotten. And it's not who God, that's not how God sees us. We're beautiful, we're intelligent. I mean, if we can't look in the mirror in ourselves and say, I'm loved by God and I'm valuable, and, and it sounds hokey to say, but it's the real deal. If I can't say that about myself, how can I be a blessing to somebody else? Because I bring that same hatred, that same fear, that same doubt into that relationship with them. And so I had a really good, I mean, so we and I've been talking to the group about it, they've been getting better. And one lady, she finally told me, she goes, and she's the one, she looked in the mirror, she saw herself, and she spit. She spit at herself. She goes, you know, Pastor, I spit at myself. Because I, you know, and she, you know, she had a rough life. I mean, she had a rough life. And some people, maybe in this room, you've had a rough life had some things that are have good, that are terrible, that have happened to you, embarrassments. I get that. But see, that's the good news about Jesus and his grace. Because he'll begin to wash away that hurt and that pain. And that divine love that's already in you begins to flow out and begins to not only heal you, but heal those around you. And so, she told me this story. She said for 20 years, she works in the school district. And she's a teacher. And she said for 20 years, I had a teacher, uh, supervisor that just was horrible to me. But she goes, I was so afraid not to turn her in because I thought I'd lose my job. And all this. So she just suffered for 20 years. And she goes, finally one day, she just, something snapped in her. And the Lord just said, you know, um, you need to do something about this. And she goes, well, Lord, if I lose my job, he goes, I got you covered. I'll take care of you. So she went. She goes and tells the principal, walks through the whole process. The principal is, oh, we're so happy that somebody finally will stand up to her. Because nobody will stand up to her. And so they went through the whole processes. Got worked out. You know, the lady got corrected, and, you know, they're watching her. And, and the, the lady, my friend at church, she just said, she goes, you know, I asked the Lord. And she goes, why did this happen? Why did I let 20 years of abuse happen? And the Lord said, because you didn't love yourself. Didn't know I loved you. You just thought you deserved this. See, we get these labels that we think we deserve certain things because of what's happened to us or, 
you know, the things that we perceive about ourselves. We get these labels and they begin to govern our lives. And that's what the subconscious mind begins to do. It just listens to you. It listens to all your self-talk. It listens to how you view things. It listens to your comments. And it goes in the subconscious mind. It's not evil. It's just going, okay, this is what Aaron wants because he's talking about it all the time. So we'll just set up parameters so that that's all he gets. It's crazy. But it's, it's trying to help you, protect you. And so the subconscious mind works that way. So that's why Jesus has told us in Romans 12, 1 and 2, he wants to renew your mind. He wants to change how you see yourself. He wants you to actually believe that you're worthwhile and that he lives inside you and that you have something that's going to change this world. All of us are here for a, pro a purpose. Let me get to my verse real quick. In Galatians, Paul says this. Uh, chapter 5, verse 1. No, no, sorry. Chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Greeting from Paul and Apollos. I was chosen to be an apostle. And it says, Interesting. Not by any group of persons, group or persons, here on the earth. My authority came from none other than Jesus Christ, the God and Father who raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now right there to me, that's a powerful statement. Because Paul is saying, I wasn't called by an association. Because like in life today, you've got to be called by somebody, you've got to be promoted by somebody. You need someone to back you up. You know, remember all that stuff, you need all this, you need all this... You need this education to actually do this because no one will listen to you. See, Paul, even though he was a very learned man, he said he was called by God personally. And then it goes on to say, Paul says this also, uh, maybe it says a little bit later on. Um, it says later on in the, in the chapter, it talks about how God had separated him from his mother's womb. Now when you hear that, yeah, Paul's real special. You know, he was just not, not like you guys. You guys are just sheep. Paul was a good guy. You know, he that's how he's preached. He was the guy that had it all right. He's the guy that God called, God anointed. He didn't call you. He didn't call Dave. Forget Dave. Dave's a English teacher. That's what he was. No. See, that's how we. That's the labels that we take. We read even when we read the Bible. But it says in later on that God separated Paul from his mother. That means that God was there at his birth. God was so excited about him coming into the earth and what he was going to do and how he was going to change the world. You know, that's a prototype of how you are. God was at your birth. God formed you in your mother's womb. God was there when you were born because he has this plan and this purpose that he has for you to do. But you know what happens? We don't believe because of the labels. Labels say, well, you didn't go to college. You didn't finish college. You have a master's. You don't have a PhD. You need a master's in business or whatever. You need a theology degree to preach the gospel. People told me that for years. You don't have a theology degree. I don't have, I have a computer degree. I don't have a theology degree. But you know something? God called. God called. God's called every single one in this room. Every single one in this room. And know what makes this going from understanding to realization? When you go, Lord, what's my calling? You know how good he is? He'll start to reveal it to you. You'll start to bring the people and the resources around you to carry it out. See, what makes our Christianity real is not just the understanding, not the knowledge. It is the realization that he's going to help you walk it out. One of my, this is now the, am I going 20? One of my other favorite, you know, um, chapters, probably the favorite chapter in the Bible, is Ephesians chapter 2. 
amazing. It just kind of lays out how we used to be and how God's great mercy and love. And what happens when we begin to go, Lord, just reveal to me how much you love me. Show me how incredible that is. Because, you know, there's two things you're supposed to do on earth in this existence here on earth. Know God and love people. That's it. That's it. And the first thing God wants to work with you is he wants you to get you to love yourself. Just where you are right now. Right where you are. Not someday, not 20 years from now. God told me I was driving, driving and we have our conversation so I'm driving a bus. And I said, you know something? Because I, I was getting, in my mind, I was getting into the future. And he goes, you know something? You're amazing right now. You guys are amazing right now. Mia, you're amazing right now. So true. What's your name? Lentz. Lentz, you're amazing right now. I know Dave's already amazing. I already talked to him. What's your guy's name? Nikki Rena. Nikki Rena, you're amazing. See, isn't that, doesn't that just... <laughs> isn't that just... When you say that, you tell people they're amazing, it changes everything. See, when you, when, you, when you begin to understand and embrace God's love for you, you wake up every day living a meaningful life, not because the chaos goes away, not because you're, you know, everything lines up in your life, you got money in your bank account, everyone loves you at work, and, you know, your kids aren't arguing, and, you know, all the things, traffic is wonderful, and, you know, whatever. All these things we have programmed in our mind what makes a happy life. It's all the outside stuff. No, when you have this inside... You wake up every day and there's a meaning. You wake up in the bed, you open your eyes, and you have a meaning. Why? Because you're loved by God. And then that just taints your whole day. You bring that love. If you're in the temple of God, you bring God wherever you go. I just remember that to you on that. Man, Lord, you're everywhere I go. Even when you blow it, he's still there. He's still, he doesn't go anyplace. It's an amazing life that he's called us to live. But in, you know, in, in Ephesians 2, it's just... It kind of lays out how we used to be and then how God stepped in and saved us. And it's just amazing. It doesn't say in this translation, but in the New Living Translation, it says that you are God's masterpiece. Now, I say to people, and I, and I offer this to do this every day in the morning because, or even throughout the day, just say it to yourself, I'm God's masterpiece. Now, we might laugh, but yeah, that's because you believe the labels. You believe the label, that's why we all laugh. Probably, yeah. You know, um, I hate to say pregnant lady, but <laughs> I don't know. Really <laughs> the woman with child, what's your name? Carrie. Okay. Well, that's a label. Carrie? <laughs> it's true, though. Yeah. <laughs> She's a woman with child. What, do you have a name for the baby? Luis, okay. Is Luis amazing? Yeah. Luis is amazing. Luis has been formed in her womb. God from Luis. Luis has got an amazing plan and purpose laid out. Now, Luis, we were all like Luis at one time, right? We all came out of our mother's room, going back to that again. <laughs> I'm sorry, my. <laughs> I was thinking about your brother's speech. The sperm won. Like we're all, we're all winners already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're all winners because that little. Yeah. We're the one who won. The one who won the race <laughs> today. Yes, we're all winners. So there were a room full of winners. <laughs> See? <laughs> That's kind of great. Uh, I love it. Luis. 
Christ. Yes. Oh, man. Uh, brother is Father Abraham. He, he does not. <laughs> I just, you know, I have four. I have four kids. And my brother just, he doesn't have to live out on like a kind of hard hobby farm. He doesn't farm, but they live on a farm in Buffalo. And they, yeah, and they have nine kids now. I'm just like, oh, I think the oldest is, what's the oldest? 16. Okay. And you see his wife, she's so funny. His wife is this little skinny thing, and she just, she can have a baby, and then look like she didn't have a baby five minutes later. So. It's just so funny. But they, you know, but they, you know, they've been parents together and nine kids and stuff like that, so it's so funny. But all those nine kids are valuable. It's like Luis. Valuable. And so we all say that about children, right? But you're children of God. And so I want to encourage you, just begin to do this. Begin, because your subconscious mind listens to what you say. And whatever you focus on, the subconscious mind begins to build a pattern for, to help you. Just think, I, we drove here probably on automatic, right? You know? Um, got the car, I mean, even here, I just followed the GPS. Who gave me the directions? I just followed my GPS. I wasn't really thinking about drinking coffee and talking and not paying attention to racing through traffic <laughs> to get here. That was my subconscious mind was kind of in control. And so your subconscious mind is always listening. So when you begin to say, I'm amazing, at first it feels weird because you have no emotions and no feelings for it. See, all the, all the depression and things that we feel and the labels, we've attached emotions and feelings to them. So that's why they seem real. So you can reprogram those. Your subconscious mind wants to help you. What you start to focus on. What do you want to focus on? I'm healthy. I'm blessed. I mean, I just love people. I just, I have this, I mean, I'm amazing. You just start saying that. And what happens? The Holy Ghost in you, because God's temple, you'll start adding to that. you start saying, you're amazing, and you're this, and you're this, and you're this. And you start having that conversation, and you get feelings and emotions tied to that. And then all of a sudden, you start walking in out automatically. Pretty crazy how God set us up to, to win. Just as our subconscious mind's been kind of programmed the wrong way to see what's wrong with us. Instead of going, amazing. You in the cutout, you in the white sleeves, what's your name? Janet? Jan. Jan. See, Jan's amazing. See, I look at Jan, I see God, I see God's goodness, I see his DNA. She's chewing her gum. I see her DNA, no, I don't get too gum. I don't know. It's like what you like to do, you know, no big deal. Um, but Jan is amazing. And that sounds so weird when you, when people, when you say it to people, they, you know, they, oh, you're just being, no. Because if Jan feels amazing, you know, her life is purposeful and she starts to affect all those people around her. I mean, you know, we're in this world, we're caught up with too many weird stuff, we're caught up with, politics and that mumbo-jumbo. And just, we're always putting it out in somebody else to make our lives different. Instead of just letting Jesus transform you. And you be, like Gandhi said, you be the change you want to be in the world. Don't change me. You know, one thing we do at our church, we don't do, it's kind of weird, I don't do a lot of outreach, we give to outreach. We don't do a lot of outreach because I saw a weird thing happening within our church. People are easy to go do the outreach, and they check it off on their list. But do they know their worker, co-workers? Were they being a light to the people in the grocery store? You know, we do this thing on the last Sunday of the month in our church. We call it, um, well, it's the last Sunday, but we have testimonies. 
And we have people come up and testify of that past month or that past week. What did God do for them? You know, what, who did you influence for the kingdom? What you do? What you... Because if it's just about understanding and coming to church and hearing a message, we've missed the boat. Who did you love? Who did people see God in you that they were so touched by that they wanted to know what, who you are and what you have? Because you're just, they just sense this about you. That's what matters. Not just going to church and hearing a message. And my last church, it was like that, where we just became so inward. And it's like all the other people were the knuckleheads. And we were the ones that had it right. And that's scary. That is scary. That's inbreeding. That is very <laughs> scary. And so I don't want my church to be that way. So when I'm telling Tessa, well, I know Jesus helped me. I got mad. I'm going to punch my boss out of work. But Jesus <laughs> called me down like a cube. And I came out and I could talk to him. I'm like, yeah, thank you, Jesus. See, that's, that's, that's life. That's life with him. That's what matters. Not you hearing a message from me. It's like you operating with Jesus during the week. And I'm helping you do the rough places and the depression and the fear. That's what matters. So in the last Sunday of the month, I want people to testify and share. Because if you can't share in front of your co your friends here, well, how are you going to share out there? And if it's normal to talk about the gophers out there, why can't it be normal? Just I like Jesus. I'm talking about Jesus. Why is that weird? Why well, can it be weird? It's still talk about Jesus. I mean, you know, I just I want us to be, I want to be like Jesus was. Everyone loves Jesus. Everyone hates religion. I want to be like Jesus. And lastly, I'll be done. So we can discuss. <sighs> Ephesians chapter 2. Paul goes on and talks about how we used to live. You know, the sinful life. Um, but it says in verse 5, it says, But he gave us new life together in Christ Jesus. You have been saved by God's grace. Yes, verse 6. Yes, it is because we are part of Christ Jesus that God raised him from the dead and seated us together with him in the heavenly places. You know, you're awesome because he's putting an awesome place. God did this so that his kindness to us would belong, that belongs to Christ Jesus would clearly be for all times to come to amazing richness of his grace. I mean that you have been saved by grace because you believe. You did not save yourself. It is a gift from God. You're not saved by the good things you've done. So nothing is boast about. God made us for what we are. In Christ Jesus God made us new people so that we would spend our lives doing the good things he has already planned for us to do. There's good things God has planned for everyone in this room to do. And I just want to encourage you today, begin to ask the Lord, Lord, what are those good things? Now when he starts telling you those things, it's going to might bump up against something in your subconscious mind that says, you can't do that. You don't have the money. You don't have the talent. You don't have the ability. Just don't listen to that. Just say thank you for that information. And keep on talking to Jesus. Because there's good works. There's so many good works that you're called to do. And if we're really going to change, I mean, I don't know about you, but there's 7.5 billion people on the planet, right? Who wants to affect those people for Jesus? Who wants to love those people? Who wants to see the best in those people? I do. Like I said earlier, you know, you don't watch the media because they lie most of the time. But in countries and in countries that are um, Islamic, <coughs> that people are, you know, they're going to come, they're going to burn down everything, you know, all the media hype, mumbo 
jungle. There's massive revival going on in the Middle East. The news is not talking about it. But if you read missionaries, I have a missionary friend that's been over there, and you read the missionary reports, it's just crazy. People, Jesus is appearing all over to people all over the world. And people are getting to know him. Sometimes it's funny because they don't even know who he is at first. And then someone has to tell them that it's Jesus. It's amazing. God is doing amazing things. He wants you to be part of it. I'll just tell you one last story that we're doing. Let's tell them you can name me this. On Facebook. Now here's how you can be effective. Because I talk about people in life. That's how do we put this into action every day? If you ask Jesus, he'll give you words, things, and he'll begin to guide your life into this. But here's what we did. Facebook, right? Everyone hates Facebook. Oh, it's so narcissistic. Oh my gosh, it's just all these things. Yeah, it can be. You know, people put what I eat for dinner or whatever, whatever. I don't care. But it also can be a tool, right? Here's a, here's a tool. Um, we have a Facebook page for our church. And I was going to, you know, you can do a boost where you can boost your page for other people to see. You can pay for it. And, you know, businesses use that. Well, I said, well, let's boost the gospel. So I started, you know, writing things about Jesus and about grace. And really what I started, it was really simple. I just cut and paste other people's stuff. Joseph Red. So, I mean, here's how easy it was. I wasn't writing anything. I just cut and paste. Put a picture on it. Because if you put a picture on your Facebook page, people will look at the picture. You know, it'll draw them to set text. So I did that. Put some Joseph Prince out. Start sending it out. And then, Lord, then you can boost it to different countries around the world. So I was telling Luke and Amy, when I was out in L.A. visiting my son in April, I took a picture of the ocean. It was rolling in. I love the ocean. It's beautiful. And I took a little video of that. And then I started attaching that video to just things about Jesus and his grace and his love. I spent, on that one I spent $20. And it ran for seven days. And it reached 350,000 people. It's my little bedroom in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota, preaching Jesus. And I have to, and I have all these people from the Mid-East, Middle East that are contacting me and they're writing in Arabic. I don't know how to read Arabic. And then when you get the translation, it doesn't translate it right, so I don't know what they're saying, but they say they 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 like the stuff that I'm putting out there. And I just went. Isn't this crazy? God's everywhere. God's doing stuff. And if we don't, if we don't think that, you know, we've been lied to that we can't have a part. That's all I did. 20 bucks. Church, we spent 20 bucks and reached 350,000 people with the good news of Jesus Christ. So there's many ways God, there's many good works that he has for everyone in this room that you're not even thinking about that he wants to bring to the surface. But what gets in the way, and I'm done, are the labels. So let me just pray for you all right now. Father, I just thank you that your grace is sufficient, that you are good and you are merciful. And Lord, you know that these labels have been put on us in life. You see them, Lord. Help us identify them, Lord, and then thank you by your grace and strength. We let you remove those labels. Some of those labels, Lord, I know have become part of even our personality and how we see life. But we give you the authority and the dominion to remove those so that we can see you as you really are, Lord. And we can see us who we are, really are, so that we can see other people the way you see them, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your grace and mercy. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thoughts? Concerns? <laughs> questions? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs>
it starts with as we, I, in my, you know, same question came up, Lord, how do you come against the system that's been running for thousands of years? And um, he's talked to me about Jesus and the Gospels and how even Jesus, was, he had horrible, I mean, there's horrible things that were put on him. Some of the devil, even his family one time disowned him because he tore up the temple. And, you know, and he, was doing, he was saying some crazy things against Judaism back then. I mean, and so... But because of that, he still, he did not let the outside forces direct him. He still kept to what was true in his heart. And I believe that as we don't embrace labels and we start to walk free, other people begin to taste that freedom and we start that chain reaction. Um, do we know how it's all going to fall? I don't know. But we can start living a life that's free. And when you start living a life that's free, other people begin to taste that freedom. And I believe it builds momentum. I mean, that's the only thing I have. Because it is war when we look at the big picture. But then, God is God. Yeah. Jesus is Lord. And so he's already defeated it. And so my thing is, if I focus on <clears throat> what he's done in me, and not live that label and preach. And, and, and so then when you don't believe you have a label, what's your name, by the way? Debbie, when you don't have a label, Debbie, then you don't start connecting with people by labels, and you start to, God in you begins to flourish, and you begin to have this realm of people you're touching and transforming that are being free from that. So it's like this grassroots kind of thing. Well, I would add that, that that's why it has to be a daily part of your life. Yeah. Or a moment by moment part of your life, because otherwise the labels are going to come right. Amen. thinking about what he was saying um, you know say to yourself you're amazing right now you're, but then I, the, the immediate thing that I thought was okay well look at how proud look at how pompous about you you know like watch it because that's what I mean I'm an outspoken person so people automatically think that I'm just like you know strutting around proud as hell of myself all the time but you know a lot of times it's a facade it's, yeah. you know it's just a a way for me to seem confident because, you know, confidence is an easy mask for me to wear. But it's also, so, you know, people have always told me, you know, once you eat some humble pie, you eat, you know, like, <laughs> calm down, you don't need to, like, but I don't, I don't know, I guess, I guess you basically just told me it's totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm cool with it now. Like, <laughs> I think it is, I think. Yeah. You know, we're so, it's like my, Preschoolers, I always call my preschoolers. They're just so free. They'll just say things and just, you know, they tell me about their parents and everything. And it's like, oh, I'm just like, but they're just so free. And that's why they're happy all the time. Right. If you're projecting the right stuff, then yeah. don't tell me to shut up. No, you know, it's just, and I think we've let society tell us to shut up and mine up and don't make waves. And I mean, you know, um, it's kind of funny because, um, I learned to play the game, being a black man. I learned to play the game. You learn in society, you know, you learn in society. You learn what works. And I remember, you know, um, it was just, you know, my, my thing is that I grew up going to Catholic school in my life, and I was a Lutheran, born a Lutheran. And I remember living in, I lived in, this is 1970, here's how crazy it is. 1970, we moved into 
crazy. Uh, the reason why I moved into this area of the, it was all white neighborhood. Okay, this is 1970. I'm from Madison, Wisconsin. And even though it's the north, it's, you know, there, there was problems. And so we, you know, you're in Madison, you just stayed on your side of the, you know, even though it's a college town, you stayed on your side back in the 70s. And so we moved into this house because this couple, Caucasian couple, you know, they didn't leave the labels. And they believe that everyone can live where they wanted to live. And, and so they sold the house to my mom and dad for, you know, $10,000 less. This is 1970. I mean, they wanted us to live in this neighborhood. And so they sold us the house, and my dad bought the house. Well, a lot of our Caucasian neighbors did not like that. We moved into the neighborhood. And so my dad worked uh, second shift, 3 to 11, so he'd be gone all you know. So my mom got death threats, calls, death threats. And... Um, and so then, so you, you know, and then I, then I did something crazy. Um, I, my three brothers and I, we played hockey in the 70s. So in 1970, when I'm six years old, I'm playing hockey. And so hockey, till today, is not a very, you know, integrated sport. It's getting there, whatever. But it's just, you know, it's just way so then you received a lot of, you know, name calling. It's just, you know, it's just what it is. And so what happened, a lot of labeling. And so what happens, you know, you begin, when you experience that, you learn to operate in the labels that, you know, we've all been to. Learn to operate in the labels that we've been kind of assigned to. And if you learn to operate right in those labels, you know, you'll be successful. And so even when I was at the last church we were at, I operated in a certain label. And I was kind of like, sorry, you know, who could even know it's true? I was like a token black guy on staff, right? They need somebody black on staff, really. You know? And so I, you know, and I worked hard, but they promoted me, and Danny, because <laughs> of the, you know, it's, and so, you know, and so I was successful in that label. But then when, when I read Grace and God said, you don't have to have any labels, your label is me, that's it. You're Christ, you're Christ in me, that's it. Lose the labels. As I lost the label, that's when I lost a lot of my friends. But the thing is, is that I'm, Glad that I'm free from that label. Even though the label pops up. Labels like those are still going to pop up in society. As a Christian, we can't fall into that labeling. Even though it's there. We have to live in a higher realm. And, let, and, that, and that label, and I always say label, but that freedom is love. And so there's always these labels going on. That, and if you play the game, you can be successful in the label. But God doesn't want you to play six, be successful in the, lab, in the label. He wants you free. So you can be, tell me your name again? Nikki. Nikki. And just say what's on your heart. You know, about a year ago, I um, started going through uh, like a uh, program to help creativity bloom in my life. And uh, one of the big suggestions is this uh, watching for the subconscious blurts or these, this negative self-talk. And it usually comes when you're about to step out into something uh, bigger than you're doing at the moment, or it can come whenever, but we were supposed to take uh, a week and record these, and really never stop recording until they come up, but there's there are patterns and trends, and it was really when I would, you know, want to do something new or something different, or all of a sudden there would be these little, and it really, if you're not even paying attention, you don't even hear yeah. them until you're like, wait, why am I stopping? What's, what's being said, so I record this, and then you, you come up with, like, um, a, uh, the flip side of that to kind of
no, that's not what it is. This is what's going on and bring God into it. And still on my phone, on the front and most mornings, I'll go through this list of, of counters to these because it's so amazing how often they, they pop up and want to hold you back. <laughs> and even something is being like, um, uh, there's one part of it is this, uh, whose voice is this? Like, did someone say this to you at one time? And some of them were, some of them were something a school teacher said, a coworker. Yeah. I mean, people, people are dumb. They'll say stuff to you, and all of a sudden your subconscious will grab it. Well, someone said that once, and so when you replay this this tape and realizing that no, this wasn't wasn't God who was saying this. This was this person in my life, or I mean, sadly, it could be a parent, or someone you love. Uh, it could have been you know an accident that came out in the heat of the moment, but we've replayed this for twenty years now instead of being like, okay, this shouldn't be here. Let's. This is what God says. This is what this is what I need to. It's amazing how much we need to remember that stuff, especially when we're about to follow our heart, follow the Spirit, say something to someone. Uh, I've been a minister for seven years now, and I'll still, when I feel like I'm supposed to talk to someone, you'll get those little, like, really, do you have something to say to this person? Like, is there, I mean, it's still, you're like, that's still there. Like, interesting. Now I can chuckle, and it's, I mean, it's it's been a year of rehearsing, but man, it's still, you, you notice it more, and you can chuckle, and be like, okay, that's really funny that that's still up at times. No, it's true. It's, and the reason why we practice it is because your subconscious mind will just, what do you, whatever you focus on, it'll start building a plan for it. And, you know, it's kind of like, I would tell people in true life, I said, what happens is that Paul gets on to, gets more into this in Galatians 5, he says, there's two natures that we are dealing with. The nature of the spirit, the nature of the flesh. The flesh is the old man trying to reinsert or herself back into your life. And that's that voice. And so if you just go, no, 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 and it talks to you, just go, no, 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 I'm not going to listen to that, okay? And go, or you say, that's not me. I, I, that's how I do when I hear that voice going, oh, it's your color. Oh, it's, you know, the police are going to pull you over. Um, you know, and I would see a police car and stuff like that. Because, you know, that fear would come up. Because I remember, you know, um, my, my dad's friend was younger. We lived in Madison, my, my dad's friend. And he had to come stop at our house one time because the cops were chasing him. I mean, not... They were just following, you know, profiling him. And he said, can I just sleep here tonight? And it's like, sure. Does that stuff happen? Yes. But I can't let that labeling that the world has be a part of me or influence me today. So I have to go, no, that's, that's, that's not me. I'm of the Spirit. I'm a son and daughter of God. I'm not letting that determine my value anymore. And so when you start doing this, it might seem like it's work because you have another mindset that's trying to, it's kind of like with Tom and Jerry, remember the Tom and Jerry cartoons? The angel was here and the devil was there and whoever you listen to, that's that's kind of like what's coming at us. Like Luke was saying, there's God wants you to go on and wants you to create and do these things, but there's other voice or other voices that are trying to tell you you can't do it. And so you have to get, no, no, this is where I'm going. One thing I've done is mind mapping, have There's a free program on you know, you know Android and it's called Simple Simple Mind Mapping free. And what happens is and so go from understanding to realization. That's where we're going. So I'll go. Why does God love me? And I'll put that as my main box. And I'll sit there in my car, you know, in the parking lot, and I'll just start mind mapping. And then you hit it. Why does God love me? Because Jesus died for me. And or then why wouldn't God love me? 
finger of God, showing how God transforms whole nations. It's cool. it's, if you watch it, it'll make you cry. Show the video. It'll show you what, the reason why I watch it, not to make you cry. Sorry. But you start to see how big God is and how dumb we've been in thinking about him. It really shows, and that's why you watch on the two. Um, because it just shows you that God is so huge where he can, places where he moved in, where drug cartels were, and he just transformed the place. Has a big 
that's our job. Whatever, you know, we've found, you know, beauty in through God creating us this way, mm-hmm. that we need to kind of speak life into that and say, you know, this isn't a negative thing. This is a good thing. I am this way. God designed me this way. It's awesome. You know, and, and I'm not going to let this label culturally that's yeah. out there affect that anymore. Yeah, just speak that to Brian every morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe to be. But I thought that was very powerful. Like, we shouldn't be afraid to say that we're Christians, especially in here, you know? And yeah. How are we going to say that out there? How are we going to say it out there where there's people that actually are, hate yeah. it? And, and it's funny because once you know that they're just acting out of a label, mm-hmm. even I learned that, you know, when I put some stuff on Facebook and I got just, that was for my Christian friends. Oh, my gosh, they just roasted me. And I was like, boy, wow, thank you for the love of God. <laughs> and I was like, man, my non-Christian friends were, they could see what I was talking about, but... <laughs> They couldn't, you know, because it's just a label that, you know, these people have had. And I remember that one thing that helped me was that I went to this guy's seminar. He was talking about how to deal with stuff like that. And he goes, most of the time when people talk, they're talking from their own label and their own ignorance. And it comes out to you and it hits on you, but really it's just them voicing who they are. And so once you know that, then what they say doesn't bug you anymore. It's not, it's not a, it's not doesn't describe you. Mm-hmm. It's they're describing themselves. And so when you hear that, you just kind of go, oh, okay, well, that's that's what you think, but that's yeah. not who I am. This is who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Can I share a great quote from there's a movie Lost in Translation, and Bill Murray says it. And he says, I, it's a great movie, oh gosh. But the, the more you know who you are and what you want, the less you let things bother you. Yep. You know, and I think what yep. you were saying, that quote just Let's not just throw them in as this is what they're always going to be or that they're not hurting right now or 
That's true. It's, it's like, you know, you know, but the Bible says that we judge by fruit. And fruit doesn't just happen overnight. I mean, you plant an apple tree. It's, it's years that you kind of, before it starts to produce, or even like if it's a you know, mature one, it, it produces in the fall, like when you're in the apple orchards and stuff like that. So it's a process. There has to be a lot of pruning, you know, pruning the branches and stuff like that. And so if you're going to, you know, with dealing with people, it's like you have to, I always call it listening to their story. Mm. Because I can label it, go, boom, you, you, okay, you're this, you're that, you're that. And I can just easily, it's so easy to do that. But when I listen to your story, when I go, and I listen to people's stories, then you just kind of watch the fruit. And the fruit will tell. The fruit, Bible Jesus said, either fruit is good or bad. And you just, but you have to, you just, you just watch the fruit not get so um, caught up into we like to label because we want things done and quick and your, your subconscious mind sometimes likes to label because then you have an answer real quick for it and you can organize it in your brain oh, they're just a loser oh they're just that they're just whatever but when you have to listen to somebody it takes time and you have to listen to their stories and um, I saw this great thing on PBS called storytelling that everyone should be a storyteller and everyone should listen to people's stories because when you do, you heal and they heal. And so many times we don't listen to people's stories. You know, someone's going to talk and all of a sudden you got what you're going to say right back. It's full. Instead of listening and entering into their story. Because you learn so much more when people just tell you. You know, when Dave was here telling about his schooling and how, you know, school, he teaches English and how he's left. But just, it was just cool because I listened to his story about. English and high school English and how he had an epiphany in the last three weeks and it really changed the way how he's teaching in class now. That's cool. I mean, it's just, you know, but you have to listen to people's voice. Yeah. Um, I will, thank you so much for coming today. I did a horrible job of introducing you. I don't know why I was nervous. I'm really excited that you're here. Um, Aaron has really played a huge role in what you have today. I am having the confidence to do something like this, and um, like seriously, you like I, I, I highly doubt without your influence in my life that we would have this community here right now, and the grace and everything that's going on. Uh, you were such an important voice in that transition of learning that there may be a different way that God is than what I was taught as a child, or at least what I got out of it. And then just our continued friendship and insight. And I mean, yeah, it's, it's so good. So please make sure you thank him because uh, there's a good chunk of this that is you. Um, I want, we're going to break in just a second, but I want one more quick teaching out of you before we go. I'm going to pass out the communion elements. And do you want to do just a quick, like, communion? Like, oh, sure. intro it? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Just say something as I'm. We're just going to soak up everything. <clears throat> church. And communion is awesome because it's a physical representation of what Jesus did for us. And so every time you take communion, it's, um, you know, it can become just something that you do. But I tell people, when you take communion and you talk to the Lord, this is the time <clears throat> the Lord wants to encourage you. This is the time where he, 
you're taking the, the bread and the wine, and you're just going, wow, he loved me so much that he laid down his life for me. We always love stories like that. It's like the hero or heroine lays down their life for the person, and it's so touching. Well, Jesus did that for the entire world. He's forgiven the entire planet. And so as you take this and you take your communion and do this, it's just, it just shows how special he is and how special you are. And just how unique and how blessed you are. And just going, oh, Lord. And I always ask this, Lord, just make communion more real to me. Because I don't want to, because I grew up in the church, been a pastor for a while. Things can kind of get kind of old That's and familiar. I never want this to happen with my Christianity, with my connection with the Lord. I always want to be fresh. And so communion is a time to realize that freshness. before we go into prayer circles. Um, uh, birthdays. Uh, yesterday was Ryan's <laughs> birthday. Big 40. Uh, so make sure to say happy birthday to Ryan. Today is Akua's birthday and tomorrow is Lizzie's birthday. So we got some cool birthdays. Uh, Liz turned 45. It was Carrie. <laughs> We're going to get Carrie's birthday in the birthday book. But happy birthday Carrie as well. I guess what, what day was it? Wednesday. What number? 19th. All right. The 19th was Carrie's. All right. We'll get that added as well. Uh, a couple upcoming uh, deals. Keenan speaking on November 6th here. The 13th, we're having a potluck after church, so start thinking of your delicious entrees you're bringing. We also got uh, Professor Amy Papinga coming uh, that day. She teaches history and especially Islamic history at Bethel University, and she's going to be talking to us about some really cool connections there. Um, and yeah, financially we're at fourteen twenty-five for the month. Uh, you guys are amazing, generous. Thank you for everything. Uh, we're going to go into prayer circles now for fifteen minutes, uh, just like usual. Uh, Steve, you know the drill now, right? Uh, fifteen minutes. You can share if you are uh, have anything that you're thankful for, or testimony, or something that you need prayer for. Um, share it. 